The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, good afternoon. I'm glad you all could make it on this rainy day. So we're entering the middle section, believe it or not, already of the Eightfold Path, the section on sila or ethical behavior. So we've looked at our views, how we look at the world, how we use our minds, what our beliefs are, what our underlying attitudes are. We've looked at how those give rise to intentions. And we've looked at our relationship to the wise intentions of letting go, cultivating kindness, cultivating compassion, noticing what gives rise to their opposites in us. And now we're going to look at how those intentions flow out into the world in overt behavior, speaking, acting, ways that we interact with society and making our livelihood and using our shared resources. So one of the important factors of right view is learning to see things in terms of causes and conditions and their effects on suffering. That's kind of a lens that we can take up as an important part of right view. So as we start looking at our speech and our actions, I just want to urge you all to have patience because probably you'll be seeing a lot of effects (laughs) without necessarily having seen the causes. Oh, the effect is I blurted that out or I said that thing unskillfully or, you know, something like that. And so you'll start by noticing the effect, like, oh, there's a lot of tension in the room here. Uh, What happened? You know, where did I lose track of my intention? And what's the view behind that that led to believing I needed to say it that way. And so there'll be a lot of post-processing, you know, post-game analysis of what happened there and looking back and feeling into how this came to be. And then gradually your mindfulness may increase and and you'll also see opportunities to try out the positive, positive kinds of speech, you know, wiser speech, kinder speech, truer speech, and so forth with actions and livelihoods. So I hope that's the way these months go for you. We'll see that uh, we're really learning in the Buddhist teachings on ethics is really that all these things are not at all like what we might call a zero-sum game. You know, it's either me or them. But really when we behave ethically from ethical intentions, it's good for us, it's easeful in our hearts, it reduces our sense of inner contradictions and alienation, and it's also good for other people because it helps provide the conditions that other people need to feel safe to act in a safe way. So in a way we're trying to break this vicious circle of you first, you know, if you behave then I'll behave. You know, we're we're taking on here the wisdom of this teaching that there's enough inner resources that we can find and cultivate so that we can, you know, act to the best of our intentions and just put that out and see what happens and help create conditions that are good for everyone. So it's especially, you know, first, let's say, it's easy to see that in speech. You you know, we might call this right communication because speech, the important part of it is that you're relating to someone. This is your attempt to say something to someone. So listening and hearing, listening and speaking are two sides of the coin. And it really, the speech is only working if it, you know, we consider what's the effect of the whole situation on both sides. So... um, Bruni and I will be talking about this. And we've decided for reasons that I'm not quite sure I remember, but this is what we're doing. That um, <laughs> we're going to, usually truth is at the, not lying is at the front of the list. But I'm going to talk about that second, and Bruni's going to talk about the other factors first. And so uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time for some reason. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so at first we're going to have a sit. So we'll have a guided sit for about. 20 minutes or so. Okay. Okay. So, um, let's see if we we arrive here with our bodies and our minds. Find a comfortable position. 
a position that sustains you, that um, keeps you alert in a gentle way. Hmm. Arriving here in your body. Being mindful of your body. Noticing how it feels to be sitting on the floor or on the chair. Your feet touching the ground, the carpet. your hands, the temperature of them, where you have them placed, embodying fully in your your home, this body, Seeing if there's any way in which it will be useful to relax your body, if there's any tension somewhere. It's okay. Now let's see if you can find where you sense your breath mostly in your body. Is it in your abdomen area or in your chest? your entire body. Being here in this moment, mindful of your breath and settling in awareness, being aware Maybe noticing <clears throat> if there are any any thoughts that come and go or that stay a little longer or in this dear mind. Is there any maybe self-talk? Continuing being mindful, embodying this, this body and 
being here Maybe you can see what attitude is in your mind. Just checking everything that, you know, being aware of everything. What is the attitude right now? Continuing being mindful of your breathing. How does it feel to breathe in and breathe out? Everything is welcome. Relaxing into the present moment, see if there's an intention being held Relaxing. Well, being present and maybe bringing some kindness some friendliness for yourself. If there's dialogue or conversation in your mind, just notice it and maybe gently you can sit, go, letting it go and maybe 
putting your attention on your breathing and your body Just noticing, just noticing. aware of sounds that come and go, receiving them without having to search, just receiving what shows up. seeing how it comes and goes. Relaxing. Breathing in and breathing out. Inhabiting this body. This body that is always in the present moment. Bringing kindness to any part of your experience that maybe will receive it with yes, kindness, yes. Thank you. Whatever it is, whatever is here, is okay. Unpleasant or pleasant, whatever it is, is okay.
If the mind get distracted, just come back to the present moment, come back to your body. Mindful of your body, mindful of your breath. Receiving the present, the current experience. Okay, so as uh, Chris mentioned, I'm going to talk first about um, um, well about what the Buddha some the teachings that Buddha gave us in terms of wise speech. She's going to be talking about truth, and I'm going to talk about. Um, Four things that also may define a wise speech by pointing at the absence of these uh, things that I'm going to be talking about. Um, speaking speech can support our path of um, freedom and liberation. And... Um, when we express ourselves in our speaking and take it into other factors of the path like actions, we can see that um, we may cultivate uh, freedom and liberation in our lives. Um, so the, the first, one of the... Uh, First things that the Buddha talked about in terms of abstaining or uh, not speaking this way was um, uh, the absence of slander or divisive speech, meaning speech that creates separation, speech that um, alienates us from from others or that creates a, a, an interaction of you're there and I'm here. Um, this type of speech sets people apart uh, from each other. 
And as I said, there's, there's a view, thinking about the first factor, there's a view of, uh, of them versus us. There might be a motivation of um, resentment of the other, or there might be a premeditated deliberation of, of causing harm. So is, is, is a type of speech that doesn't create a lot of peace. It doesn't create peace. Um, It can also, it, it may be the type of, of speech that uh, degrades the dignity of others or of ourselves. I'm including here also sometimes the self-talk that we have, you know, that how we speak to each other. I mean, I'm sorry, how we speak to ourselves when we are thinking, through our thinking, when we're alone. There might be sometimes that uh, we may say, well, there's, even if it is divisive, there is some truth in this. And because it's true, I, I think that is the right thing to speak it, to, to say it out loud. Um, And there may be, in those situations, those may be good opportunities to look at how we are also applying the, the, first fact, the second factor of intention. What is the intention? If there is a malicious intention, if there's, is there a, a, an intention of causing harm, then it, there, there may not be a there may be other ways in which we can then abstain from saying that and saying the truth in another way. Uh, Chris will talk also about other factors of how, how, how there are some difficult moments that we say, well, it's true, but should I say this or not? We will talk more about that later. So to abstain from... Slander uh, or um, divisive speech, it may require an inner transformation in ourselves. How, how we hold in the views that we're holding? What kind of beliefs do we have? Uh, what kind of intentions do we have? Um, sometimes this is easier to say to explain than then to say well in the middle of things what how, how do you apply this what about when you're speaking to someone or um or you see someone saying something harmful you, or doing something to me that I think that is not fair, especially in issues of social justice. How do we react? The Buddha um, gives a, a great example I, I love, um, and is the one on when being in that kind of situation, seeing, see if you can see the pain that it causes to, other, to the other person. And also, um, don't engage, not engaging into that type of speech. Seeing how, what, it, what it is, the impact 
but not not to fool continue to feel the the fire not to engage in it um, so that is slander and divisive speech the other type of speech that um, the Buddha advised us to abstain of is a harsh speech. And there are different examples of these type of speeches. Maybe uh, when we're speaking with sarcasm or um, maybe with an insult or maybe shouting. Um, these harsh speech, the root of this type of speech may be aversion. And aversion can be manifested in different ways, maybe frustration. Um, it may be also that from my experience, that I'm so fixed in a view that I want things to be a certain way and that how it's going to be and that's how I communicate it, especially when I feel that I have to prove myself. You said in my tone right now how it's changing. Make it happen. Or the position on your body. We also speak with our bodies this type of speech is a, I can see this, is, is there's, there's a quality of, of being impulsive. Okay, fine. Or just responding out of, you know, just as an impulse uh, without any deliberation, without space to take a pause and um, saying, well, maybe there are other choices here. And it may become a habit. I can see these going, you know, just seeing when I, re when I realize, oh my gosh, I spoke this way. Where does it come from? And I'm like, oh, I remember this from maybe my family or how I've been saying it for the past, how I've been speaking for the past years. So habits that are really ingrained, um, for this type of speech, the Buddha uh, advises that, uh, tell us that mindfulness is the key and patience is the antidote. Okay. Um. Hmm. Patience, that's, that's for me. I, I take a pause there because it's, it's, it's reminding me this is one that I, especially at work, when things are not done the way in which I want. Okay, no, let's make it happen. Okay, patience. Um, so that's harsh speech. The other type of speech that the Buddha tells us, if you abstain of speaking this way, then... You may, you may speak wisely, is by um, abstaining of speaking um, pointless talk or what we call idle speech. Is that type of speech that sometimes I see myself doing when I meet someone, I don't know what to say, and I start saying, what is the weather like? We in California have great weather. And yes, I um, ate this food that I like, and where are you from, and what are you do, and blah, 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 blah. But there's, not, there's really not an intention of connection with this person. Being very aware of the time today. Um, so pointless talk. 
there's like a lack of purpose. There's, uh, it's kind of shallow, you know? There's a difference between saying, how are you? You know, there's, there's, that, that will be a way of connecting to someone else, you know? How are you? Uh, versus saying several times, yes, I'm doing great, yes, I'm doing great, or, well, yeah, no, yes, and, but not going into the details. Or, uh, it's useless. It's useless talk. Um, And it's one that you still can feel some level of discomfort and it's almost like filling the air with it. Um, what the Buddha tells us here is there are other ways in which you can, instead of using this type of talk, you can connect with other people. Um, you can learn about this, this person by saying again, how are you? That kind of um, connecting. How is this person, the person's state of mind? Or um, in our situation, we can talk about the Dharma. You know, we can, we can have conversations about your, your path in the Dharma. Um, so, and, and, and that, that to say, within your, your path, however you define it. So, that is harsh speech. We can see some of these types of speech being combined. Sometimes we see it in the media. We see it also in, in uh, witnessing other, other types of conversations in different situations in our lives. And um, And we can also see this when sometimes we maximize or minimize within our conversations. You know, this is like the best, best, best thing I have experienced. The best trip, best, best vacation, best food. Or just when we're minimizing or diminishing some experiences. So... Um, that's what I have for idle speech, and I think that I will stop there. Could have a little time for questions, if anybody. We have a few extra minutes. Does, does anybody have any questions so far? Yeah. This idle speech has me very confused. <laughs> you know, it, the, what is idle, what isn't? I mean, you don't just like dive into your deepest things with anybody. Um, you know, like I'm thinking of when I get together with somebody that I haven't seen for a long time. You mm -hmm. need kind of you know, set the pace or get comfortable with each other. But I don't know, this one, I, I, I'm wondering, you know, who, what is pointless, what isn't? Mm -hmm. um, so this one has me confused. Mm -hmm. Well, there, um, different, different things um, came up when I heard you, Mary. So, um, in meeting someone that you know or you don't, that you haven't seen in a long time or even meeting someone for the first time, 
without rapport, nothing happens. And what I mean by rapport is that initial, that initial connection with that person. That so, when I think of the example that I that I gave in terms of saying, "How are you?" That may be a way to connect. That may not be idle speech. You know, "How are you?" Well, you know, I I'm feeling okay, or. Or, you know, I'm feeling cold. I'm actually feeling cold because of, you know, it's cold right now. And so it depends what, how, we, how we present the question, how, um, how we're speaking with this person, in, not only through our words, but through our bodies, um, how we move, how we, you know, culturally, there are other things that come into account. Um, so establishing that rapport, we can say, we can ask some of these questions that sometimes we think is idle speech. In that case, it may not. We just want to establish a connection to establish, you know, some kind of trust that we can continue a conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it all comes back to intention. You know, is your is your intention to waste time, more or less, and hold the person at arm's length? Or is the intention to find some, you know, to be welcoming and put people at ease and find some way to have a good connection? You know, that's, that's really the difference. I was talking to somebody, or somebody was telling me a story at a meeting a while back about how exhausting it was for them to spend a whole evening at a dinner party where everybody was just talking about what kind of computers they had. You know, and whether they had an Apple TV thing or a different kind of TV thing. And it was clearly just because they really didn't have any common ground other than this kind of trivia, you know. And after a while, that's exhausting. You know, but it's not to say that you always meet somebody with the heaviest thing. So you're right. There's a a lot of well-meaning, you know, idle chit-chat that's really just kind of warm humming back and forth, (laughs) you know, settling people down. It's really different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, thank you, Jim. I'm totally for it. Yes, it is. Yeah, and so what is that idle speech or because I'm, you know, we're not saying anything. We're just kind of like chit chatting about anything, you mm-hmm. know. So this one has me kind of. Just keep looking at your intention. If there's a warm feeling of connectedness and everybody's relaxing and feeling good, you know. It's a good intention. Also, this, you know, this is somewhat advice to monastics also, you know, that they should not, you know, just sit around. That kind of speech drifts easily off into gossip and it drifts off into reinforcing your views on, you know, us and them and that kind of stuff. And so just watch where it drifts, if it's staying friendly or if it's getting kind of gossipy and mean-spirited, you know. Um, there's also a time for um, uh, I don't want to say setting boundaries mm-hmm. in conversation not all conversation in my experience is warm and fuzzy right. but it I guess maybe I'm making more of a comment than asking a question it, it's important to not have for me to not have hostility associated with that um, setting those boundaries so yeah. warm and fuzzy isn't necessarily the yeah that may not be the only the only thing right but just your intention you know you're getting a feeling as you go along of why are we doing this There's, uh, okay Sarah yeah. I'm just wondering if you have any advice for uh, when a person is in a situation where in a way um, the general conversation is idle chatter um, and you don't want to 
um, for some reason you're there and you're you're not desiring to leave. So how how does a person negotiate that if they have realized that this is tiresome and hot air flowing around, yet it's the style of the social setting? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I think you just turned it off, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, this is such a um, unique, personal... We're so unique in how we react to those kind of situations that uh, I will respond based on my experience, and it will be really different. I don't know how it is for for you and for others. Um, it, w- one aspect that I try to see is first the, the the attitude that that I have at that moment. If I'm holding, I'm seeing like maybe okay, this is this is going. To, too long with idle speech and I'm feeling frustrating or frustrated because I am not speaking up or or if if there's something else going on with me. I I would I will see and, and Chris will speak about this. What is what is useful to say? How what is kind to say and what is true? What is timely? This is we we wanted to leave that for the end, so that you leave today with kind of the positive aspect too of of um, how to to be in those kind of situations. And and so, is it timely? What is useful to say? What is um, what is kind? Um, or maybe the 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 best thing to do is to remove ourselves from the situation. Um, so it's, it's very unique, but as we continue with, with the day, with today, um, you may have other answers at the end. What I find particularly hazardous, and so far we've talked about families and social and blather, is the workplace environment. Uh, You have to maintain the certain balance of connection, friendliness, and professionalism. And um, I work in an environment mostly of women, and I really love them professionally and personally, and... um, I've been known to kind of breach boundaries. And I have a lot of trouble with that because what is acceptable one day is not acceptable the next day and how they can get away with saying anything. But one thing I say, taken out of context, has lost me a job. So the question is... I'm confused, and I don't think I have a question. (laughs) I don't know even what I just said. Well, we'll I'll talk some more about this kind of thing in the second half, and it it is an awfully confusing world these days, uh, that's for sure. So this is an overt skill that we all need to practice investigating how to talk about stuff. Thank you. So I guess I have a similar question to the the woman in the back here in similar setting, perhaps. And it was, uh, but but if the conversation is not just idle chatter, but the conversation is divisive or harsh, and and you simply want to exit, actually, is that sorry? I think it was us, maybe. And maybe and maybe you want to exit the conversation, and you're at that dinner party. And you see two or three more hours of this in your future, and, and either you're going to leave, or you're going to violate some other feel ethical sense you have of how to speak to people, mm-hmm. 
or you're just going to sit there and be quiet, which is in some way an indictment of the whole conversation. How do you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I'm sure I did the wrong thing. <laughs> but I don't know what I should have done. You know, we're all just, inv- we're all on the same, really the same level of investigating these questions, you know. So I, as a culture, we're pretty uncomfortable with silence, you know, but maybe we need to explore that. You know, you can always keep watching your own tone of voice. There isn't always that much you can do about what other people are doing. You know, but you can really use that opportunity to work with where are you coming from and how are you being triggered, you know, and what are you putting into it. And if your decision is that the best thing is to stay, are you uncomfortable with silence, you know. So I would tend to use those experiences as a time to look at my own stuff. You know, and, and think of investigating this question on behalf of all of us. You know, I wouldn't have an answer for this except sitting through those things and really trying to work with it sincerely. With with this, uh, what they call it, the holiday season. Mm, yes, I think that's what they call it. <laughs> Last year was beyond grim around uh, my family cohort. Yeah. This year, I included me out. Mm-hmm. So the divisive speech, the chattering, the plattering, the circular arguments, the drunkenness, the mm-hmm. drunk speech, mm-hmm. it's going to take place. Yeah. I'm not going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go again mm-hmm. to try to process it, to try to get past it, to try mm-hmm. to get somebody to talk about something substantive, mm-hmm. not to stop talk about something that happened half a century ago. Mm-hmm. Include me out. Mm-hmm. There was a, a writer, Buddhist writer, I, that I, I can't remember the guy's name. It's clearly, the way he writes is from, from New York City. Not that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> he said. He said when he has a situation like that, he wishes that other person the best of everything, the fortune of goodwill. Somewhere else. (laughs) You know, we do, we have to be really clear with ourselves about what's our limits. You know, if a situation is going to trigger us into unskillful behavior, it is wise to avoid it. You know, and if there's some way that we can work with it somehow toward our own development or toward the situation, then we have the energy, we can continue to try. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with, if you can, letting yourself out of situations that are too difficult. I think we need to move on. We're running a little behind at this point. So we're going to have a little breakout session here. And I really want to set the stage because of the role of the body and silence and mindfulness in speaking and listening. Okay? So we're going to give you a couple questions to discuss. But even more important than what you say is how much you're able to stay in touch with your body to be mindful when you're speaking, mindful when you're listening, you know. And you don't have to go to the most difficult and controversial topic that you can think of to answer this question. It's really more important to practice speaking in a way where you feel like you're practicing right speech and you know where you're coming from when you speak, okay? So let's get in groups of four and see how that works out. There may be some uneven, but... Just getting the ones near you for now. And if you're, if you're, and we got a group, there's maybe, so there's, maybe there's a group of three. It looks like there's maybe one room for one more back there. There's a group of four. There's a group of four. Somebody can be here. Okay. Are we, uh, Sarah, are you, are you the, uh, okay, we'll just join one of the groups if you don't mind and uh, we'll, we'll have a, a five group. Okay, so we have two questions here and we'd like you to do it uh, one at a time going around. So decide who's going to be first in your groups, first of all.
Just, just pick, raise your hand if you're first in the group. A, a, a volunteer from each group. You guys need a volunteer? You're, you have one. Okay, great. <laughs> I'll volunteer somebody. Okay, so, I'm, so we're going to go around and speak one at a time, and I'm, we'll ring the bell after maybe three minutes apiece, okay? And then we'll take a pause, and there should be silence in the room while we pause. And you then feel, what was it like to talk, and what was it like to listen? How did you do it listening? Or were you on to thinking about what you're going to say? Or did you really listen, okay? What did it feel like to talk? Did you lose complete awareness that you were talking? You know what what happened? So we'll have a little break in between each person. And I think we'll go four rounds, and then we'll just add on an extra few minutes so that you guys can be in sync with everybody and have an extra round, okay? Yeah, just do it as if you were four, and then I'll give you an extra round for your last person. Everybody can sit in silence for a few minutes. Okay, so the question is, regarding this issues of harsh speech, idle speech, uh, divisive speech, when would it be most useful for you to be extra mindful around these things? If you were setting an intention for, like, every time I log into the Internet or something, I don't know, what, when would be some times when it would be most useful for you to be extra mindful? Okay, so let's have the first person start. a little behind today but we really wanted to take up one more subject so we're going to do this in a little different way give you a minute to think about this and then we'll just have time for one person in the group to say something about this so maybe if anybody in your group has a good example of what we're going to ask you can tell it okay and the rest of you can practice mindful listening so the question is to think of a time when you consciously brought people together in a group. You, you worked through something that was potentially divisive and used speech to bring people together. Or maybe you've seen it done. Maybe you were in a group and somebody did that skillfully in the group. Okay, so just think a minute. We'll just spend a minute and see if some example of that comes to mind. And then if anybody in your group has an example you're willing to share with the group, Because speech is a positive tool, not just an area of danger. It's something we can really use to channel wisdom and compassion and bring people together. So think for a minute. No, they're not going to say it out loud. No, they're going to say it to each other. Okay, see if, is anybody, just within your groups, so just see if, just talk among your group and see if any of you have come up with an example. Nobody has an example, you can talk about how you might do it sometime, okay? (laughs) How you wish it could be done sometime. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 